Hey, good morning, everyone. Weren't the kids so good when Amy was talking? Good job, parents. We're uh, very grateful for Miss uh, Amy for directing that and all the workers. It was just a, a, a just such a wonderful week, and uh, just the parents and you parents allowing us to entrust your kids to us and just tell them more about Jesus. That's the passion of our heart and our church is that our community would know more about the love of God through his son, Jesus. And this is just such a wonderful vehicle to do that and, uh, and to minister to kids. So we had, a, we had just a fantastic week. So thank you. Thank you again for all who you were part of it. Um, if you're new with us, what we normally do is we, we take a topic and we look into the Word of God. Either we study a book of the, in the Word of God or we look at a topic and we discuss it each week. And we're in a series uh, called Living Out Godly Character. And we're looking at patience today. I, I know this is probably a message that probably many of you just don't struggle with. I know all of us just have such great patience. We never lack patience. Um, how many of you would consider yourself just a, a patient person? You are just a patient patient person. So if you're a patient person, I'm going to speak for an hour and a half today just to test your patience, okay? Just teasing. I'm not going to do it. You know, I, when I thought of this topic and I was thinking for you parents can understand this, raised kids or are raising kids right now, I thought I was a very patient person until I had kids. Can I get an amen out there, right? Kids will test your patience. They have this innate ability to do things at the most inconvenient time. Can I get an amen? Now, now I'm preaching, right? Now I'm preaching. Um, uh, you know, when they get sick to their stomach, it's always at 2.30 in the morning, right? And then you're just cleaning up and you never get back to sleep. Um, when they have to do something for school, like it's a project, or they have to bring some baked good into school, isn't it always the night before at 9.30 at night when they say, oh yeah, by the way, I've got to do this project or I have this, uh, I've got to bring this baked good. And they have just have an innate ability uh, to do that just to test your patience. Um, our oldest son, Colby, who's an officer in the Navy, in Navy, we have no idea how he made it that far, but he did. And uh, when he was younger, we were living in South Carolina at the time. Kathleen was at a ladies' event at our church, and uh, it was very quiet in the house, and Colby was in the other room playing. I think he was two or three at the time. I thought, this is great. I'm getting some quiet time. Until I went in the other room to see what Colby was doing. He had a black Sharpie. He was under the dining room table, and he was coloring. Except he didn't have a coloring book. He was coloring on the carpet, and it was all over. And we had a really light colored carpet. Now, this is before cell phones. So I'm panicking. I called 911. They're absolutely no help. Um, couldn't call Kathleen. I tried to call my mom. Couldn't, couldn't get a hold of her. Finally, I called my mother-in-law. And I said, I'm panicking. Kobe's got a black sharp. He goes, calm down. I will walk you through it. She told me what to get. And I did get it all out before Kathleen came home. And I said, Kathleen, aren't you just a wonderful husband? I did such a great job with Kobe today. Nothing happened. There was no event happening. Um, children will tend to test your patience. And, you know, when we think about uh, patience. I think sometimes we tend to think about not getting irritated or maybe, oh, I'm so patient because I made it through this traffic jam without getting irritated. And I want you to see that in the Word of God, patience has a much deeper meaning. And it's funny, with my family, if I ask my kids what's a character flaw in my life, it's patience. They say, Dad, you kind of get irritated really quickly. So I'm like, mm, okay. 
Really? Do I really get irritated really quickly? You're irritating me by telling me that I get irritated very quickly. Um, So I'm preaching to myself today. But one thing we see reading through the scriptures, through the teachings of Jesus and, and through the apostles, there's a common thread that we see through the writings of the word of God. And it's this. It matters how you live your life. It matters how you live your life. God cares about your character. He cares about how you live your life, not only before others, but ultimately before him. Jesus cares more about who you are than what you do. He cares more about who you are than what you do. And our world puts so much stock in what we do more than how we do it. And it is so important that we have character and integrity in the way that we live our lives. And the Bible speaks to this. And how do we live our life? And how do we live our life that's pleasing to God? And I want to read you a passage in the book of Galatians. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he he says, this is what it looks like for a follower of God. Somebody who has come to Christ, somebody who is a follower of Christ, we know that God places his spirit in us, and he transforms our hearts. Now, if we call ourselves a Christian, or we call ourselves a follower of Jesus, there should be fruit. There should be something when we look behind our lives, something has changed. There should be something flowing from our hearts and our lives that is different from before we were a follower of Jesus. And this is what Paul speaks to, and he says this to the church. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. This is what it looks like for a Spirit-filled Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against this thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, for those that are in Christ Jesus, there's this new life, and there should be these things. There should be joy and love and peace and patience and kindness, goodness. This, these things should be flowing through our lives. But how many know we got the flesh right next to us? And that's something that we're going to battle the rest of our lives. There's this battle between what I should do as a follower of Christ and then what my flesh wants me to do. And there's this constant battle. And what Paul says here, for those who are followers of Jesus, we have crucified its flesh through Christ Jesus. And now he said, not only do we live by the Spirit, but we need to walk in it. It needs to be something that's evident in our lives. And in these verses, the Apostle Paul describes the characteristics of a life that is spirit-filled, a life that is led by God. And and the only way we can overcome these fleshly desires is to walk in the Spirit. And our flesh is subject to our fallen nature. However, we are transformed and filled with the Holy Spirit when we are in Christ Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to please Christ. And now I have a choice to either submit to my flesh or a choice to submit to the Holy Spirit for guidance. And that's the good news. And followers of Christ have this indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in the power of God. So the question is, how do we yield to the Spirit and not to my flesh? How do we do that? Well, Paul tells us to live and walk by the Spirit. And what it literally means, it means to walk behind a leader. It means to follow the leader. And what Paul tells us, he said, in order not to walk in the flesh, we have to walk in the spirit. 
And those that walk in the Spirit will produce good fruit in their lives. And we can know if the Spirit is leading our lives by how we live our lives. And fellowship with Christ allows the Spirit to have control over us. Walking by the Spirit is a daily thing. It's proactive. It's not passive. Walking is a constant moving forward. It's not a sprint. It's a methodical. It's calculated. It's something where if I'm praying each day and I'm reading God's Word and I'm having fellowship with Christ, then there's going to be an evidence of God's Spirit working in my life. A Spirit-controlled life is a life that walks in humility before God. It's a life that says, it says, this it says listen it's not about me it it, it doesn't say look at my kindness or goodness or faithfulness and and patience we are careful not to become boastful about self-righteousness we must be careful not to seek a virtual life for the sole purpose of how it makes me look because we can look good on the outside and we can look good in our works however if our lives are not led by the spirit then it's me led it's me doing it And God says, I want your life to glorify my son. And so when we're led by the Spirit, we're going to glorify Christ in our life. The fruit of the Spirit is not to glorify me or to be seen as a checklist of how good I am or a list of virtues that I pursue. We walk by the Spirit through worship, through God's Word, reading God's Word, and letting the Spirit change us. So that's what it means to live a spirit-filled life. Through the Spirit's help, I recognize when I'm wrong and I can repent for my waywardness. So when the Bible speaks to patience, what does that mean? Because it has a deeper meaning than just saying, I didn't get irritated or I'm good in traffic or I don't get bothered by it. It carries this meaning of endurance. And this is what we need to understand. Patience carries the idea of long-suffering, forbearance, and fortitude. It has so much more than, I'm just, I just didn't get irritated really quick. Patience is so much more than, than waiting and not getting irritated. Jesus' life was actually marked by patience. He was wrongly accused and misunderstood. And how did he react? Well, he was patient and long-suffering with us. God's love is patient with you. God is long-suffering with us. Barden should have been struck down by lightning long ago. God should have dealt with me a long time ago, but it's through his patience and his love and his grace that he deals with us. He is patient and long-suffering. So let me give you a word picture here about about patience, um, because it means to be long-tempered. And so if we understand anything, if you understand about metals, they'll lose their composure when they're under extreme heat. They'll run or they'll become a liquid. This is, this is very similar to the meaning here, the biblical meaning of patience. Patience means having the ability to bear injury without meltdown. Patience means having the ability to bear injury without meltdown. Outward influences do not melt you down. So here's an interesting thing that we can see in patience. The evidence of a spirit-filled life is how we react when our rights are violated. A spirit-filled life that that shows patience or forbearance or long-suffering is marked by how we react to when we don't get our own way 
or when our rights are violated? How do you react when you don't get your way or you feel mistreated or you're not treated fairly? Do we melt down quickly and lose our composure? Do we melt down quickly and lose our composure? This is a sign of patience, of a life that is spirit-filled. This is how God transforms our hearts and our lives. By looking at the world and the way we are treated, do we melt down quickly or is our identity in Christ Jesus knowing that he is the perfect example of patience and how he is patient with us? And also, we need to be patient with others. I was, um, a couple of months ago, I had to fix our, our washing machine. And if, if you know me, I have no mechanical ability whatsoever, but I'm too cheap to pay someone to actually fix it for us. So I go, I think I can fix this. And the, the, the drain was clogged. The, the waste drain was completely clogged. So I look in there, I go, oh, Kathleen, it's, I think this is the reason why it's not draining because it's all clogged. So I thought it's going to be an easy fix. I'll just take off the drain hose and I'll just unplug it or buy a new one and we should be all set. Well, it wasn't that easy. I had to take the whole washing machine, the back off, the front off. It was all plugged all the way into the back. So I had to take all the clamps off in the back. And, and so this you know thing that I thought was going to take 20 minutes, I'm in there for three hours doing it all. Well, I got it all cleaned out. I'm putting everything back together. And sure enough, the last clamp that I had to put on, it was in the bottom of the wash machine. It was very hard to reach. I had to get that clamp on. That's where all the water would drain into and then eventually pump out. I couldn't get the clamp on. I just, I got cut in my hand and it, I worked at it for like 30 to 45 minutes. I was getting frustrated. Kathleen had to actually shut all the windows in the house so the neighbors couldn't hear me. I'm kidding. I think I lost my salvation at one point. Um, it was, and I just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, and I was so frustrated. Do you ever get to that point where you are so frustrated and your patience have completely worn out? And it's at that moment, God speaks to your heart and said, you know how much I love you, Barden? And look at what my son Jesus did for you. And you're like, mm-hmm, right? This is where, when you think where my patients, when they're at my last, when I'm at my last wits and I just don't have any more patience. This is where the spirit of God comes into our life. This is where we can say, God, I don't want to melt down. I don't want to let this thing melt me down. I want my security to be in you and you alone. Eventually I did, well, I fixed it. It's not leaking. So the, the, somebody asked me, did you end up fixing the machine? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I zip tied it and I don't even know if it's going to work, but it's working. It's not leaking yet. So I did get it fixed. See, life is not going to go our way at times. It's not going to go our way at times. Patience is slow in reacting to my flesh. And God allows our patience to be tested. It's slow. It's not flying off the handle. And impatience and, and, and is not holy anger. Let's not, you know, we, we say, well, I, you know, Jesus flipped over tables, so it's okay for me to get anger too. Uh, don't use that. that. That's not a good excuse. That's not good justification for your anger. We can falsely believe that our impatience or our anger is holy anger. No, it's our flesh, and it's, and it's getting in our way or from, from us being offended. Or we use it as justification to say, well, this other person got me angry. This other person's doing it, so it's okay for me to get angry. Patience is not weakness or acting passive. In fact, it means just the opposite. It means not to give up. It means don't quit. The Spirit gives us fortitude 
to endure. So when we feel mistreated or we feel like things aren't going our way, the spirit within us gives us this fortitude to trust God through it, knowing that he's doing something deeper in our life. There's a reason why God wants you to be patient. He's doing something in your heart. The, the trouble with most of us is we want to be in control and we want things done yesterday. And what patience does in our heart, it allows us to trust God, to give him the control in our lives. And so the Spirit gives us this fortitude to endure, specifically when we have to wait. I love what Jerry Bridges says here. He says, trials change our relationship with God. They always change our relationship with God. Either they drive us to him or they drive us away from him. Trials will always do that because they will, it will test your patience and your trust in God. Jesus was patient and he waited on his father and his timing in his life. He could trust his father. And even though we may not understand why we're waiting or why God is bringing us through this, we can trust God knowing that he's doing his best in us. I may not like what's going on, and I think it, it may be unfair, but God tells us to be patient and wait on him. Now, James does a great job speaking to patience and why God has this weight at times. Because none of us like to wait. I'm a microwave type of person. I like things done quick. And there is a reason why God causes us to wait. Listen to what James says. James 1, 3, and 4, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. God knows that by allowing you to wait and the testing of your faith is going to produce patience because he's maturing you. He's causing you to grow in him like nothing else will. If everything was done quick in the way we wanted to, we would never grow. We would never mature in the Lord. When, when tested, God uses it for our good and he's allowing patience to ultimately mature us. Now, we may see patience as excruciating, something we have to endure, yet God allows us to wait for a reason. And so if we understand patience as endurance, it's through endurance it produces a cheerful or a hopeful outlook that otherwise could, we could never experience if we didn't have to wait. God uses it for our good so that we will grow in him. And it produces something in us, this endurance, this fortitude to trust God. Even though we may not see it, we may not know what he's doing. We can trust him knowing that he's working his good work in us. Patience allows us to wait on God and pray for his presence in our lives. It's during those times of waiting that we can sense and know God's presence. Why? Because we're completely depending on him. If everything happened on our time schedule and the way we wanted it, it would never give us that opportunity to truly trust God and see him work in our lives and have him produce his maturity in us. Patience also changes how we relate to one another. Do you realize that God uses patience in your relationships with one another? How does he do that? Well, he uses it through people that irritate you. 
That's how he does it, right? He doesn't, the people you get along to, that, that doesn't teach you patience, right? He te- the person that irritates you, God uses to develop patience in you. So the person that irritates you, praise God for them. Just go up to him and say, hey, you know what? You just irritate me. You irritate me to no end. But you know what? God is just using you in my life to teach me patience. I want to thank you for, I want to thank you for that. Thank you for irritating me. I'm just teasing. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, but God uses this to help us with forbearance, to show love and consideration. Patience helps us to bear with one another's idiosyncrasies. All of us have our idiosyncrasies. We all are a little messed up, right? We all. We all have our messiness, right? And so, listen, patience helps us to show forbearance and love towards one another. Patience helps us to love long with a sacrificial love. Aren't you thankful that God's love is long and patient? Not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to know him. That's the type of God we serve. Let me just give you a couple passages here that speak to this type of patience and long-suffering that we're talking about. Colossians 3, uh, verses 12 and 13 say this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close your, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. God is patient with you. I heard someone say this the other day, and I said, that was perfect. He goes, you know what? I get really irritated with other drivers. That Don't even ask Kathleen about when she's driving me because I do. Same, that's my issue, other drivers. And he said this. I thought it was so good. He said, I always get impatient with other drivers and the way they drive. And he goes, but you know what? I wonder what other drivers think of me because I, pro- I probably irritate them too sometimes. And I go, that's a great way to look at it. That's a humble way to look at it and to look at our lives. We need to be patient with one another. We need to bear with one another. We need to forgive one another. Ephesians 4.2 is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament, kind of my life verse. I love this. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Bear with one another with our idiosyncrasies. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, you probably all heard this at a wedding, but this is not a wedding verse, right? This is not a wedding. It's nice, it's nice. But this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth saying, hey, you guys need to get along. You're misplaced your priorities here. And this is what he tells them. He says, love is what? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is patient. It is long suffering exactly the way God is with us. Bill Klein says it this way, whether we as mature believers are emotionally up or down, whether we are angry with one another or indifferent, God's spirit keeps our fleshly reactions under control, enabling his spirit to flow in fellowship and ministry. Listen, the only way the church can walk in unity because we all have our own opinions Amen? We do. I mean, if you're married, do you always agree on everything 100% of the time? 
on how everything should go and where you should eat and blah, 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 and how things should go along in the house. If you had that 100% always agreeing all the time, you're lying, okay? You're just simply lying. You see, here's how the church walks in unity. It's through the Spirit of Christ, through this presence of patience in our life and what Christ has done for us. We're able to love each other. We're able to work with one another, even though we may not see eye to eye. And this doesn't mean we don't speak into each other's lives when we are wayward or we are out of God's will. If we truly love each other, we will speak into each other's lives with humility and gentleness because we we care about each other and we don't want to go wayward in a sinful lifestyle because we love each other. But if we truly understand patience, it's going to be seen in our fellowship and the way we deal with one another and the way we forgive one another and how our love is long and patient and slow and reacting to one another. This is the Spirit of Christ. When the world looks on and they look at the church, what do they see? Do they see bickering? Do they see, I want it my way all the time? Is that what they see? You see, what we see in the scriptures is for the church to walk in unity. We need to bear with one another with all our idiosyncrasies. And we do that with love and gentleness and forgiveness. See, why should we walk in patience with one another? Why should we do that? Now, we should always remind ourselves of this. God is patient with us and doesn't want anyone to perish. God is long-suffering with you and I. And when we come to him and our waywardness and we ask for forgiveness, does God not forgive us? Does he hold it over our heads? Does God come back to us later and say, ah, 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 ah. Remember when you did this three years ago? I'm going to hold this over your head. Is, right, and, and I'm going to let you suffer over this. No, when we come to him for forgiveness, he forgives us through his son Jesus and cleanses us of all our unrighteousness. And when we love each other and we're able to forgive each other, it's showing the spirit of Christ is in us because we are patient with one another. Gospel living is a life that receives God's forgiveness and a life that offers that same forgiveness. We can't sit there and say, well, God, I want to receive, who doesn't want to receive God's forgiveness for our sins? I want to receive your forgiveness and it can't stop with us. We need to be a conduit of God's forgiveness as it flows in. It needs to flow out in our relationships with one another. You can't have one without the other. You can't be forgiving and not offer forgiveness. And this is where patience comes in and forbearance. Loving long. Loving through our idiosyncrasies. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners... While we were still sinners, not loving God, enemies with God, Christ still died for us. He didn't wait for you to get your life together before he started loving you. I want you to understand that that's God's forbearance for every single one of us, waiting for us to come to that saving knowledge of what he did for us, and it's a humbling thing. So my question to you today is, Where in your life are you struggling with patience? Is it in a relationship? Um, Have you been harboring bitterness towards someone or not being able to forgive someone? And it's been just eating you inside for years? 
That doesn't mean what the offense was or if someone did something to you. That doesn't mean that it's whitewashed and it's no big deal. It's an offense and it hurts. The question is, let God deal with that person. But in our hearts, if we're holding on to that and we're not forgiving, then what it's going to do is it's going to harm our relationship with God and knowing him fully. And so what, 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 what are you harboring on to? Maybe there's something in your life that you're like, God, what are you doing? Why, why is this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? I've been waiting, I've been waiting, but I, I haven't seen a change. And you're going through this. This is where God's spirit can help you in that area of your life. Because we all go through times where we just have to wait and we don't know how it's going to turn out or what's going to happen, but we wait on God. This is where God's spirit can come in and help you. And this is where God's grace comes in to give you his grace every single day that he says, even in your weakness, I'm going to be strong. My grace is going to be sufficient for you. And this is where the trust comes in and maturity comes in where we just wait on God. And I know sometimes it can be excruciating. There's been times in my life where you just had to wait on God for things. And I'm like, God, what are you going to do? And how are you going to work this out? You know, because I just tend to worry too much. And God says, Barton, I just want you to rest in me. Just rest. Be patient. And then looking back, you can see in your life the things that God taught you through that time of waiting. Of waiting on him. You can trust God. You can trust God. And God does give strength to those who wait on him. The prophet Isaiah says, I will even put you on eagle's wings. And I will give you rest. And I will give you strength during those times of waiting. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe it's in your relationships where you need patience and you need that love and you need that long love. Maybe it's in an area of your life today that you just, you feel like, God, what are you doing? Why am I, why am I waiting so long here? Where you need to trust God and give him control in that area of your life and he will give you his strength. But remember this, God is not hurting you. He's maturing you. And that's part of the discipleship process. He's maturing you. When you begin to doubt God because of what you're going through, or maybe a, relation, a bad relationship, or maybe some season that you're in now, when you begin to doubt God, here's what you need to do, and here's what I do. I trust his character. I don't trust my situation, because how many know situations change every single day? but I trust the character of God. And the character of God is this. He's good. He's a good God. And he's perfect. I don't know why things happen the way they do, but I know that he's good. And I know that he's faithful. And what God tells us and what God told those who follow him and the Israelites that were following him, he always told them that he's a faithful God. He goes, I never want you to forget. It was me that led you through the Red Sea. It was me who took you out of Egypt. It was me who fed you over and over and over again. And where Israel lost their way was they forgot to tell those stories to their children of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. Don't ever forget that. So when you're going through those times of deserts or a season of trusting where you have to be patient, you look back and remember God's faithfulness. He was good then. He's going to be good to you today. And he's going to be faithful to you in the future if you trust him. 
And that comes with patience. We need to learn it. I need to learn it. I need to learn forbearance, fortitude, that God is with us. That's what he gives us as a follower of Jesus, as part of the fruit of the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life. Patience is part of that. He wants to develop that in our lives through times of waiting and the people that irritate you. He wants to develop that. But we have to trust him in order to do that. So wherever you are today, trust the Lord with that. Just say, God, I I don't know what season I'm in, but I'm going to trust you. You give that to him. That person or that relationship, you offer forgiveness, whatever you need to do. Allow God to use that to develop the character within you for patience, and he will do it. And what comes with that is hope. Hope in him that he's doing a good work, and he's faithful to always complete that. That's the God we serve. Amen? So I want to pray for you and whatever you're going through today, that we can trust the Lord and just trust him with it and allow him to develop that. We're going we're gonna to sing a song closing, just, 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 just magnifying who God is and, and just thanking him for, for what, what a faithful Savior he is. And so let me just pray for you and for those of you that just are going through some things in your life and you need God just to help you in that. So let me just pray for you. Father God, just thank you for today and just thank you for our children, God, and what you did in their heart over the last week. Thank you, Lord, that you are so patient with us, that Jesus, we can see the example of you, that even though you were mocked and ridiculed, that you were poorly treated, you did not melt down. Through forbearance and patience, you trusted your Father's will to complete what you had to complete here on earth for us. Lord, I pray that no matter what we're going through, whether it's a a season, Lord, where we need to trust you and have patience or it's with other people, God, Lord, may we just trust you. May your Holy Spirit, may we yield to your spirit in that area of our lives, knowing that you're doing a good work and you're ultimately maturing us. And that gives us hope, knowing that you're doing a good work in our heart, that you're causing us to be more like your son, Jesus, and that's a process. Thank you, Lord, that even when we mess up, it's a reminder that we're still growing, that we're not there yet, that, it, that, that discipleship is the process of sanctification where you're continually doing your work in us. May we trust what you're doing, God, that you're doing your best in us when we trust you completely. So we thank you for your word today, and we just love you, and we praise you. And I pray for anyone, Lord, that's just struggling right now, that you would just help them. Thank you that when we call out to your name, you're there. You save us. You're a faithful God. And we're just careful to ask all these things in the name of Jesus, in Jesus alone, and all God's children said, amen, amen. Can we thank God for his word today? He's so faithful. Amen. Amen. God is good. Would you stand and let's just sing this song in closing. God bless you as we just, we just glorify God this morning.